you. What about this one for my nephew? A superb choice. Oh, great. Yeah, provided he has already read Infinite Crisis and 52 and is familiar with the reestablishment of the DC multiverse. Who am I? Cypher? The gayest X-Man? I recently read this novel called Watchmen. I've never read a comic book like this. I used to read Betty comics, but that's it. I've never read, like, real, real comic books. This worked my out. Excellent! Hello, hello, hello. This is Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. And this week for the final installment of Spectacular Spider Month, we have a special guest on. If you would like to introduce yourself. This is my wife, Shannon. Hello. She says hello. Hello. I've brought her on because this week we are reading Amazing Spider-Man number 26. Um, the the Zeb Wells, John Romita Jr. one. For anyone who is like, which one of, I think there's, there must be at least three or four of those by now. As of the time of recording, it is the most recent Amazing Spider-Man. And I'm sure that statement will just get less and less accurate. If anyone listens to this in the future. But uh, yeah, this is the one that, well, I mean, it's the one where Kamala Khan dies. There you go. You can't mistake this one. So I did an inordinate amount of research for this episode that basically just backed up every single opinion that I had on it. I picked this as, well, this is long time listeners may remember us doing since past and talking about that um this is since past two for me this is everything wrong with spider-man comics coming out right now and actually kind of certainly marvel comics coming out right now this has like all the problems yeah this is pretty representative of a lot of the worst aspects of Kate books yeah um so this this was supposed to celebrate and, and the fact that they even thought of doing this is just hilarious to me this is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the death of Gwen Stacy and the way this book was advertised was that there is going to be a death on par with the death of Gwen Stacy of a Spider-Man supporting character and anyone who was reading the book at the time knew that the villain had a real mad on for killing Mary Jane specifically. So, you know, I, up until the point where Marvel decided to announce an Entertainment Weekly a couple of weeks before this came out, but actually Kamala Khan, who had been an incredibly minor character in this run, like, they, in the letters column and stuff, talk about how she's a character in the book. She isn't. She cameos in, like, three or four issues. It's established that she's she isn't. She just sort of cameos in three or four issues. She's established as working at Oscorp as an intern, which we're going to talk about that in a second. Because um, I just don't think it makes any sense for this character to be this, to be Kamala. Um, but then the, she only appears in any sort of Spider-Man related thing during this time period as Ms. Marvel 
wearing the outfit and as a major character in her own entirely separate um like two issue mini series that tied into dark web in which she never runs into spider-man or peter as ms marvel or even really as kamala like she just kind of knows peter a bit from working this job and that's it and now obviously peter and kamala have met before in the capacities of superheroes I didn't go back and look at this. I remember there being a body swap story, which is wild, but um, does make me go, how do they not know each other's identities if they did a body swap? So I'm I'm now wondering whether I'm remembering that correctly or not. So let, don't hold me to that one. Uh, but let's just die straight in. Uh, well, create a roll call real quick, because that's always important. We've got Zeb Wells writing. Uh, John Romita Jr. is Penciler, Scott Hanna on inks, and then Marcio Menez and Eric Osiniega as colorists. And VCs Joe Caramagna as the letterer. Our first page is Kamala's interview to get her internship at Oscorp, which is the company run by Norman Osborn, who at the moment is good because he got shot by a magical shotgun that turns you into a good person. So he is currently a good person. Um, well, I guess we'll get into that later. But first, and I just want to get this out of the way because this is sacrilege on this podcast. I don't like John Romita Jr.'s art in this issue. I got to agree. I, I didn't recognize Kamala at first at all. I'm just so used to seeing her a different way and coming in as a Ms. Marvel fan. Which I'm assuming that's why they advertise Miss Marvel's gonna die to get maybe Miss Marvel fans to read it and be like, what? Because they weren't reading this before. In the pages of Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. Well, obviously that's where I found it. No, I mean I told you about this behind but like yeah. this 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 comic was publicized pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. This was a big deal last year when it happened. We actually have already covered the Hellfire Gala, which is Kamala's next appearance after this, which that was what two months later when they brought her back to life. In that, like, it's this really quick turnaround. I will say you can feel the rush on this. Now they lie in the letters columns and say that it was like Zeb's idea, and I'm I'm sorry, no way was this Zeb Wells's idea because this is like the it's all tied into making her a mutant, which is a big company. Disney level decision. Maybe the specifics of the death was Zeb Wells's idea, but like doing this sort of quick turnaround, there's some kind of editorial thing happening here that no one is just talking about. Mm-hmm. Which fine, but it's resulted in a a really bad issue for um Ms. Marvel's death. I Yeah. I'm not like obviously I have not read as many comics as you or Eric. Um, and it's not the main genre that I read. Um, but, you know, I have read quite a few good comics. And it's pretty easy to tell when something isn't good. Um, it just felt really rushed the whole way through. Like, there was a goal that he needed to accomplish, which was killing Kamala. And that happened. I just... I've read single issues of comics before and I've read them and been like this I'm not I'm not like whoa it's already over whereas this one it's like that happened <laughs> this issue moves at a breakneck pace mm-hmm. 
it again it feels like there was a deadline on finishing up this storyline that came up kind of arbitrarily but yes so we have this brief setup this is the this is kamala's most important appearance by the way this is like the first time she's had a page where she's the main character of that page in this book so when they talk about her being like a member of his supporting cast she's <laughs> the least important member of the supporting cast but anyway we now have the the title page i'm just going to read the blurb we have for the backstory for this because th this is this is the end of a three issue arc kind of everything that happens in the present day happens in this issue and the two previous issues are flashbacks explaining what's happened before now so supposedly if you read this blurb you're going to be pretty okay a year and a half ago peter parker's life was uprooted by the mad mathematician rabin aka the emissary rabin sent peter and his then girlfriend mary jane to another dimension while peter was able to escape mj was left behind his back against the wall and with no time to lose, Peter was forced to work with Norman Osborn and steal from friends and allies like the Fantastic Four, burning bridges in the process. While Peter did manage to rescue MJ, it came with a price. What had only been a blur of days for Peter had been several years for MJ. It's uh, specifically established in a previous issue as four years. In that time, she and the mysterious Paul took in two orphans and built a life and family together. In the time since Peter had gotten his life back on track, he took a job at the new Oscorp with the reformed Norman Osborn, but slowly but surely he's begun to mend his personal relationships and build new friendships, like with Oscorp's newest intern, Kamala Khan. But nothing good in Peter's life can last, and Rabin has returned to make sure of that. I, I do kind of like how um, the subtext has now become text, and apparently Rabin's goal is just to make sure Peter's life sucks ass so that we can have more spider-man comics to be completely frank as someone who has read this entire book up to this point and has seen some of the previous stuff all of the rabbin stuff still just refuses to stick in my mind just like reading the summary or reading the actual issues What's the, like, reading equivalent of in one year and out the other? Because <laughs> I just don't find this villain plotline very interesting. You know, like, at least in the execution. I'm gonna try and keep it, you know, mostly to this issue as opposed to just, like, the book, you know, up until this point. But just, like, it's hard because this is a final chapter of an ongoing thing. But just like the way the whole plot line is framed has so much to do with just like, oh, something happened a while ago, but it was like off panel. So now we're watching characters react in real time and having moved on from something that we did not witness and it's sort of trying to pull off that weird conflicting time thing and in the present day glimpses that we get i just do not get given anything that makes me give a shit about <laughs> this character 
and that applies also to the new supporting characters because when you tell me that Mary Jane has a new boyfriend and kids now, if all of this is effectively settled off panel and we barely ever see them before the events of this book, how am I supposed to care? You don't care but, about Paul? I would not have remembered that that was his name if you had not just asked me about <laughs> Paul. <laughs> I will always remember Paul's name because he's become a bit of a meme in, like, Spider-Man fandom. Because he just sort of, you know, the Zeb Wells run starts and he's just sort of there. Here's Paul. He's married to Mary Jane now, I guess. <laughs> they have children somehow. No, we're not going to explain this for two years. <laughs> this is a monthly book. It's not bi-monthly. It's monthly at the moment. It took two years for them to get to explaining the basic premise of the series about what on earth Peter did and what happened and why everyone's mad at him. And the answer is, was frankly, everyone's mad at him for dumb reasons, which shocking. Um, this premise for the start of a series, by the way, vastly outdone. Ryan North did the same thing just right after this in Fantastic Four with basically what did Reed do? and answered it in four issues, and it made sense both as a thing for the character to have done, and as a thing for everyone to be mad about, and as a thing for the reader to go, oh, but I get why he did that. And then he sorted out the emotional fallout from it in, like, another three issues. It's also sort of reminiscent of Bendis' era Uncanny, where everyone suddenly hates Cyclops, and we're supposed to except everyone hating Cyclops for no good reason. Oh, and it just yeah. doesn't make any sense. That's back when Cyclops was being really cool. To be clear, for my wife who has not read either of the things we've just been talking about. <laughs> yeah, but I guess back to the book at hand, to just address to a couple points you also already raised, this issue is breakneck pace and feels rushed, like both within itself and in sort of the context of the pacing feels weird within the issue, but also it comes across like a product that was rushed in the production. But the thing that we, I don't think, have already pointed out yet is that like, this isn't even a regular sized issue. This is, say, maybe like, a standard issue and a half length like there is fully 10 15 extra pages beyond a usual floppy and it's still that feels is? like it's struggling wow yeah God, you can tell i've been reading it digitally <laughs> yeah i think it's 36 pages something like that oh yeah you're right look at that page count yeah in oh, terms it... of just like the pdf without the ads yeah it still feels like it should have taken three issues for all this shit to happen. Yeah. Uh, so in the present day, we're sort of in media rest. Basically, Rabin, who he debuted in, I want to say, Amazing Spider-Man 555 and 556. Uh, Brand New Day era, also written by Zeb Wells. It was Zeb Wells' first like Amazing Spider-Man story that he ever wrote. Um, 
those issues basically exist as a showcase of Chris Bocciolo drawing Spider-Man. Um, they look great. The plot, again, is really... Rabin's never been compelling. He is a mathematician who worships an evil Mayan entity called Wayep, who is, like, the god of death. And appears, to me at least, and what I've done in my independent research, to be inspired by Wayeb, a Mayan bad luck god, um, or as uh, this one website I found describes him, the sexy god of annual misfortune. <laughs> I'm looking at the same panels and I don't I don't know about sexy. Um He is half naked. He is half naked. So well but no, this is Rabin. He is the emissary. He wants to become Wayat, which he can do by killing Mary Jane because that's what he said would happen. Because I have read all of this twice for all the relevant issues. I have read at least twice, sometimes three times. And so far as I can tell, he needs to kill Mary Jane because he put a sigil on Mary Jane that said he needed to kill her. So, like, at the end of Spider-Man Beyond, which leads directly into the events that we see in the flashback issues and, like, chunks of this book, he did a magical sigil on Peter and Mary Jane um, because they're the main characters of the book. I don't think it's related to his prior encounter with Spider-Man. That's another thing that's really weird. He doesn't have any beef with Spider-Man. This guy doesn't actually care about Peter Parker, so far as I can tell. He just had to magically pick someone. Um, and because Peter, in escaping the other dimension they went to, where time ran fast, so Mary Jane was there for four years while, like, only a couple days had passed in the regular world. Because Peter killed that dimension's version of Wayep, he doesn't have to kill Peter anymore, he just has to kill Mary Jane. It may have something to do with her having red hair, because he keeps talking about her having red hair, but I think that might just be because he doesn't know her fucking name. Like, I don't know if he knows her name. Also, he's crazy. He's just like a crazy guy who wants to become a deaf god for some reason. I do think that the story where you are talking about, well, like the, the, the thing that happened with Mary Jane and Peter that broke them up is essentially she lived, spent like the, the time dilation thing in the different universes. I'm like, so you have picked a god who in the Mayan calendar is the god of essentially the Mayan equivalent of the leap year. Like the five days they'd have to do because even though your mass can be perfect, the universe isn't essentially. And they thought of those five days that they had to add to the calendar to keep it like straight with the seasons and stuff, the way that we have the leap year. They thought of those as unlucky. And I'm like, it's almost interesting to have your time dilation like plotline revolve around this god of like evil unlucky time that shouldn't exist but that's never brought up and also the name isn't quite the same so i'm not going to give them any points no points yeah. rabin's dumb uh but he's here we just have a couple pages of people arriving so he's here in a big tornado uh the gold goblin 
Norman Osborn shows up because Norman Osborn, as I said, he got shot by a magical shotgun uh, wielded by an undead serial killer. Uh, and so now he is a good person. It's just kind of like a gold faceless looking Iron Man. Yeah. This costume sucks. It's like... Can we please get to my favorite part of the costume? We we will in a second. Okay. <laughs> um, It's like he's called Gold Goblin because it's Osborne, so he's going to be a goblin. There's not actually anything goblin-esque about this outfit. It's just really generic gold armoring with like silver accents um and then he's just on a glider there's nothing interesting or notable in the way that the lines of the armor laid out it is just perfectly generic what is your favorite part of the costume is it the way that the armor stops at the ass so that it draws attention to his butt or are you thinking of something else it is <laughs> yeah that, that that's it there's just like one panel where he's leaving and it's just his ass but the coloring is a little weird so it looks really like flesh toned for a minute like Tell me that's not the same color as Mary Jane's face. It is the same color as Mary Jane's <laughs> face. For some reason, they put some pink lighting on uh, his silver ass, so now it looks like it's made of flesh. And it's just Norman Osborn's white pasty ass coming out of his outfit. <laughs> it's like a long john. It has a it has like a butt flap. <laughs> that way he doesn't have to take it off when he used to go on a potty break. Oh my god. <laughs> I guess the other important is we should mention um Kamala is here too, or Ms. Marvel is here too. Which is literally what she says as she just shows up in a panel. Yeah. She's... And then they try to do like a Kamala joke that just um falls flat. Well, I just mean here. Oh, and she was like, Oh, that wasn't cool, was it? Like they're trying to make her like a quirky teenager. Because she has like that inner monologue, like in her own comics, but here it, it just sounds like a thirty-five-year-old man trying to write a teenage girl. And yeah, that's fair. There it is. <laughs> Can we pretend I said something cool isn't like a funny line? No, it's it's not very good. Um, and also like the presentation of this, like this is such a serious like story for Spider-Man. Like I can't take this story seriously. But, like, for him, this is beyond almost any previous Spider-Man story, excepting, like, the really obvious, like, your Craven Last Hunts, your Death of Gwen Stacy's, mm -hmm. whichever, however many times Harry Osborn's died. I think it's only twice. Yeah. It just feels like one of those weird, like, MCU movie moments where it's, like, the situation is super serious. But Chris Pratt just like farted or something. I don't know. That's Guardians movie slander. It's not Chris Pratt slander, but that is. I mean, like when he shows up other places and he's bad, like okay. in the Thor movie. How about that? That's fair. That's fair. It's a it's a very Thor. Um, actually, it's a Thor love and thunder type moment. Yeah, I'm not even gonna put that on Ragnarok. Ragnarok, I enjoy enough to not be mean to. Mm. 
sorry i don't know why i said chris pratt tom holland probably would have been the better equivalency there yeah it's a very spider-man far from home type moment yeah but yeah, Rabin um, rants about his evil plan to everyone uh, about how basically he's just going to kill the shit out of Mary Jane. But he just calls the red one. It's so weird. You know, everyone gets a little bit of licks in. Um, Rabin's like a corpse, I think, at this point. Like, they stab- they killed him in one of the flashback issues and this is his reanimated corpse which is why he just sort of looks like a zombie it it is a little odd in that previously this character has been visually defined by having all of these like mayan style tattoos all over his body and they're just sort of not here anymore i don't know why maybe they go away when you're dead so i mean i was gonna make a joke about how it was just a white guy culturally appropriating something but he's actually doing <laughs> yeah yeah no also, that's the whole story sorry okay so the first time that i read this i said there was something about wyatt that made me think of like a monster from courage the cowardly dog like just something about the way that he's drawn and it gives <laughs> it gives this so like king's Ra- king ramses from courage the cowardly dog. <laughs> tell me i'm wrong you're not wrong. That also feels like it's probably a white guy culturally appropriating no, something. No, that's King Ramsey. Anyway, sorry. That was a tandem. Oh, wait, is that the actual... Is that like a mummy? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Fun tangent for the podcast. I was discussing so the design sorry. on... <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's no video. Um. Oh, but he's he summons... God, this is how incomprehensible this is. Somehow he's able to make a giant Mayan monster show up, which is not a thing he's ever done before. But that's here, and that basically serves to mean that Norman Osborn has to fly off on his dumb gold glider. I read all five issues of the Gold Goblin miniseries for this, by the way, just so I could accurately complain about heroic Norman Osborn. Mm-hmm. I regret subjecting myself to that. It just made me hate him more. This monster also just sucks. Like, it's the most generic, like, I guess it's going for a Quetzalcoatl type thing as rendered by John Romita Jr. trying to knock every page out in an hour and a half. Like, I also can't take the monster seriously because it just feels like archetypal to the point of not feeling real does that make any sense and it also like it's just a distraction from the main plot like it's a thing that's happening over there you better go deal with that gold goblin and fantastic four later go over there and and deal with this thing while you know the main plot happens over here as we just keep punching this raven guy and it keeps not doing anything What's the point of having such a big supporting cast if you immediately need to get rid of them? Well, see, you probably were planning on having like three or four issues to tell this chunk of plot, and you also probably weren't planning on killing Ms. Marvel in the middle of it, but then Marvel gave you a call and were like, hey, we wanted to like wake up at the Mutant Hellfire Gala because we're about to like blow up that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we could just offer as quickly as possible, and also everyone's really sick to death of this Raven shit. <laughs> 
It's not working. <laughs> it's not working. If we could just get this done with so we can go back to um well, I would say go back to stuff that makes Spider-Man good Spider-Man stories, but the very next plot is about how Dr. Octopus's tentacles are now in love with Spider-Man. Truly a bizarre like just the the I got whiplash going into the next story <laughs> from this. Like the next thing that happens, it's it's like back in Ultimate Spider-Man when that version of Gwen Stacy dies. There's one issue mourning her, and then the very next story is a weird body swap plot with Wolverine. I'm just like, what is happening? Have we not like tonal consistency, please? Um, and then Rabin, Rabin just tries to taunt them all, um, because he he. Uh, Mary Jane's either married or dating. I'm not entirely sure whether they're actually married or not. But she's with this guy named Paul, who she met. She and Peter met in the universe where time was going faster that had been destroyed by an alternate version of Rabin with an alternate version of Weya. That this Rabin had brought them to in order to kill them so that he could fuse with this version of Weya. I think. And Paul was there and helped them out. And then when Peter sort of got Mary Jane back and it had been a few days for him and four years for her and Paul, she and Paul are together and they have these two kids. Um, I want to say Stephanie and Romy. Uh, maybe. Uh, so, you know, you can tell how great this storyline's working for me. Um, and so we get this flashback page, or a couple of pages of flashback, where Peter shows up. This is this scene we'd seen like a little bit of before in an earlier issue, but they cut out before we got told like who Paul is. But basically, Paul is the son of the alternate universe version of Rabin who destroyed his world, and Paul had been tricked by his dad into helping him. And had not realized what Rabin, alternate universe Rabin's plan was in time. And you were just here to read about Kamala Khan. And. Hi. Yeah, that's my, that's why the flashback is my favorite part. Because it flashes back. And then they go back and Spider-Man's like, yeah, we already know. Mary Jane's like, yeah. And then Kamala's silent. Kamala is just here. Um, Kamala is like. Head empty, no thoughts. There's no nothing to add. There's nothing going on for her in this issue. Like, it, it's this bizarre, like, this flashback to Peter. Okay, first of all, Peter is, like, pissed off and hates Paul because, like, stuff happened, time dilation. He's with Mary Jane now. I kind of get that because he and Mary Jane were literally moving in together when this whole situation happened. I get why he doesn't like Paul. But the fact that he's, like, he finds out that Rabin is the son of an alternate universe, like Paul, sorry, he finds out that Paul is an alternate universe son of Rabin. I don't know Rabin's first name. I can't, I think it's in his first story they bring it up. I don't remember it. Doesn't matter. Um, and he gets like pissed and says that that means he's the bad guy. And it's just like, isn't your best friend Harry Osborne? <laughs> like, if anyone knows that being the son of a crazy supervillain 
doesn't make you automatically a crazy supervillain, except for those times when Harry was a crazy supervillain. It's Peter. This it, it feels really arbitrary in the terms of the conflict. And then the fact that this flashback is here to tell us that they have a well, it's here to tell the readers of Spider-Man who Paul is. Which, again, Paul is just a meme at this point, because there's nothing to this character. But this is to explain why Mary Jane likes him, because, like, I guess she's attracted to, like, guilt? She's attracted to guilt, right? That's, yeah. And also to establish that, like, they've already sorted out whatever, like, emotional fallout they were gonna have from the reveal of it being, like, Paul's last name is Rabin. So this alternate universe corpse version of his dad telling them doesn't really mean anything. We spent two pages on that in this overstuffed-ass issue. Oh my god. And then Timmy and Tommy disappear. Yeah, and then what happens next is my second least favorite thing in this fucking issue. Um, So it turns out that the two orphans who Paul and Mary Jane had adopted and raised for four years in this alternate universe where they were the only people left alive. Um, yeah, the kids were, like, made up somehow. Uh, unclear how Rabin... Uh, Rabin can apparently just generate people. So, um, I, I guess, you know, people may not know, but Mary Jane has already lost a child. She had a really traumatic stillbirth caused by Norman Osborn, uh, back in the 90s at the end of the Clone Saga because it would age Peter if he had a kid. So if Peter's gonna be Spider-Man, he can't have a kid. It wouldn't be responsible of him to be Spider-Man if he has a kid. That one maybe I could agree with, but... but... And now we've arbitrarily, for no real reason, given Mary Jane two kids, I think mostly to make people who are reading Spider-Man comics go, how the fuck does she have kids? You said it had been a six-month time jump not, like, five years for her to be able to have these two fuckers. And now we're equally arbitrarily wiping them away and just adding more trauma onto this character. And, like, we've never really had a story that properly unpacked or did anything with the trauma of her first stillbirth. And these are kids she raised for four years! Like, I don't give two shits about them. I can't remember their fucking names. But the character supposedly should. It's and that such, just kind of pisses me off. It's such a difficult thing to imagine pulling off effectively in the context of just like serialized, you know, decades long superhero stories of just like we're going to bring in this relationship that should be really important to the characters but will never show it on panel. So if in the actual work of art, there's just no buildup for it to feel like it matters. So that supposedly the characters should be reacting emotionally about things that the reader is not going to be invested in. Except the thing is that the characters also have fairly muted or otherwise just weird reactions like i don't know about you two but for me personally the paul despair page of 
the actual disappearance does not work. It's really fucking weird. We have just these five panels. Two of them are like, the kids are here. Now they're not. And then the page ends with this close-up zoom on Paul's forehead as he screams no, except the bottom of the panel is at the bridge of his nose. So what's supposed to be like an anguished scream, we can't even see half of his face. It's just a very weird choice to me. You know, I relate to Paul on that last panel because my glasses do fall halfway off my face all the time. And it can be annoying. <laughs> then we, I found something I like about Paul. His glasses can't stay on his fucking face. Yeah, I, just like, there's the larger like characters, but I just don't think it works. And then just like, the storytelling here is it's just like Raven, you know, ranting, just non-fucking stop because the only way we could explain any of this shit is if he just tells you what's happening, because for God's sake, none of it is comprehensible, even with him explaining it all. And he just rants vaguely about how, like, basically he's wiping the kids from existence. When we get a page of the kids being wiped from existence, and I'm still just like, I can't remember their names, and they've been in the comic for two years. And then we get Mary Jane realizing and using her new superpowers to attack Rabin. I do like that Mary Jane having superpowers did not rate getting mentioned in the little blurb that I read at the beginning of this issue. <laughs> so if you are someone, uh, for example, my wife, who is aware of Mary Jane, oddly enough, from, you know, every Spider-Man adaptation ever, is looking at this panel going, wait, what the fuck is she doing? Mm-hmm. Was that was that your reaction to the jackpot powers? Well, you told me that her 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 name was Jackpot, like her superhero name was Jackpot, and I said, "Why is it because she's white trash from Queens and she likes casinos or something?" And <laughs> you were like, "No," because she said, "You hit the jackpot, Tiger, or whatever." Hey, Tiger, you oh, just yeah. hit the jackpot when she first met Peter Parker. She said it that one time. She she said that, and so now she is a superhero named Jackpot. Um, also her powers, uh, work like a slot machine. Yeah. If she hits you with the same power three times, you win a million dollars. Oh, no, no. Every time she uses her powers, a slot machine appears in, like, the air. Like, three random symbols. Stop it. No, it's not three random symbols in the air. It is! (laughs) You can see it on the panel. They just show up next to her arm. I didn't know what that was! (laughs) Those are three symbols. She got three um cues in boxes, which means she got a death ray. But later oh. she um Do they have like a key somewhere so that we can follow it? Uh no. Uh maybe maybe we're gonna get that in the upcoming Black pa- Black Cat and Jackpot miniseries. Oh. Unless they're gonna be gay and eat hot chips, I don't really care. I, I am kind of like, you know, if we're not gonna have Peter dating Black Cat or Mary Jane, because also he breaks up, he's supposedly dating Black Cat during all this. <laughs> so funny, she's just, she just can't be in this. Like, no. logically, she should be turning up to help because two of her best friends, Mary Jane and Peter Parker, are in, like, life or death peril here, and everyone can see it across the whole fucking city because Rabin's in, like, a giant tornado and has a giant feathered serpent monster. 
Um, but she's not here because, my God, can you imagine another character in this? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, instead of her, you get the Fantastic Four, which is four more additional characters for no reason. Yeah, they're about to turn up to just sort of contribute absolutely nothing to the plot whatsoever. Yeah, but Reed made that flying ship thing so they could get there fast. Yeah, because right now the Fantastic Four are living um, at uh, Ben's family's house okay but in, that's like not, middle america that's not mentioned in this at all so to me this is just a random ass thing johnny just said yeah and i'm like well, okay i mean it's better explain how they could get there from like whichever state it's in i can't remember right now it's been it's been a minute i didn't yeah. memorize the geography but like they are they are not they are not in new york at this point which so is what you're saying is it is it's even weirder for them to have shown up instead of Black Cat. It yes, yes. Okay. Just But um Black Cat isn't a super genius, so she couldn't solve the feathered serpent thing half off panel. What was I don't even remember what that was, and I've read that twice now. <laughs> uh, all right, Mary Jane's really pissed about her uh her kids getting disappeared, and she's like using her jackpot powers to attack Rabin. And it's working surprisingly well. Oh, it says ding, ding, ding there. Okay. Yes. Uh... <laughs> I mean, girl power. I love it. <laughs> She's using ancient mind symbology to do a... Because, like, her power comes from the same, like, mathematical source code of the universe... But symbology still... that's tied to Mayan gods uh, somehow shit oh that Rabin's powers come from so I guess yeah uh, is Mary Jane doing Mayan cultural appropriation interesting question I hate it here it's just like a, it's so weird it, Mary Jane of powers is so weird Oh, Liz Allen is a symbiote right now, and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening in Spider-Man right now? Why is everyone, like, gooey or <laughs> firing pink lasers with, like, code names based on that thing they said once? Mm-hmm. Um, look, the Fantastic Four show up, and basically they make up with Peter inside of a single page because... Um, you know, heaven forbid we just have a story that is Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four teaming up. It's about them making up. The Fantastic Four have just stopped being mad at him off panel. I guess I appreciate the emotional maturity shown by these characters, but it's like... But they're all adults, so that's not that impressive. Well, yeah, and it's like, but like that could be a story, but you've sort of shoved it in here for some reason. Yeah. It kind of feels like they're trying to get rid of this, like, status quo where Peter's upset everyone. But honestly, that was one of the aspects of the book that was almost working for me. Like, the circumstances into which it happened, I hate. But, like, I kind of liked Peter not getting along with any of the superhero community anymore in this book. That's very, like, going back to 80s and before Spider-Man when he didn't really know these people that well. I mean, he didn't know the Fantastic Four really well, but he didn't hang out with them all the time. I'll be honest, I've never consumed any Spider-Man media that didn't have everyone mad at him all the time. That's true. Well, yeah, also, like, most people who, like, have seen anything Spider-Man outside of the MCU Spider-Man, Spider-Man's just not with any other superheroes in any of that. 
because of Sony. And so for most people, Spider-Man is a character who really does just stand completely alone. So yeah, that does make sense that you'd have that perspective. Okay. I don't know. None of this drama works for me. Um, Mary Jane's incredibly unreliable. Oh yeah. So apparently if you, um, when you get a plus sign made out of two bars, some cherries and some bananas, you create a healing ray. Was that also off the Mayan calendar? Or... I don't know. <laughs> I think at this point, the slot machine aesthetic is now overtaking the, like, in-universe power source. Okay. This is stupid. Yes. I'm sorry. This is a... Okay, so this is supposed to be serious. Her children have died. This man is trying to become death. And she's got some cherries that, frankly look like a butt they look like balls actually above her head and she just accidentally zaps him and gives him more life like he's a video game character or something yeah yeah mm -hmm. also he still doesn't know her name mm -hmm. i think uh anyway ms marvel saves her uh shouting get away from my friend they have never met before <laughs> What's your point? Everyone's Kamala's friend. But she wants to be friends. Like, I, I mean, I make the joke, like, I can maybe see Kamala saying these lines in, like, a slightly different situation where it's a little less life and death. I do feel like she does know when to turn off the, um, the quippiness normally, but she doesn't here. Um, and, like, she would want to be friends with Mary Jane, absolutely. But, like, uh, she doesn't know these people. And she's just sort of here. It's really random and weird that she's here at all. So Peter's plan is to fight Rabin by himself and have Kamala keep Mary Jane safe while running away from them. So inevitably what happens is, you know, he starts beating the shit out of Rabin. But Rabin, uh, as it turns out, can teleport. He's a teleporter. So he just is just like, yeah, I'm just going to go and teleports away. Uh, the, the Fantastic Four team up with Norman Osborn. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that statement alone pisses me off. Uh, to defeat the giant mind thing uh, by drawing a symbol in its head because it's made of like symbology... I, I don't bloody know. The, the, literally everybody but Reed Richards is actively confused by everything that is happening in this story. In-universe. So I guess it's it doesn't have to make sense if you just say that Reed has figured out a thing. <sighs> Sorry, I just need a second. This comic drives me nuts. <laughs> Was there anything in all of that you wanted to talk about? Really? This comic sucks in a way that doesn't even entertain me. It's just not delicious garbage. It's just yeah. It's just mostly very boring to me, honestly. Yes. That's fair. Um God, it's just it's incomprehensible, frankly. Well, I mean, we all know it's it's just so it can whatever tie into whatever stupid MCU thing that Disney wants to do. I mean, that's why everything just gets messed up. 
that that's all they want to do it's like i mean kamala doesn't even make sense in those movies or in her show or anything which it's fine i don't really care because i'm not watching it anyway so it doesn't really matter to me but if you're trying to create like a universe where people are supposed to care about characters and be familiar with them in some way maybe things should make like coherent sense in some way maybe like they keep like obviously they're trying to like hard launch the mutants with kamala right like in the mcu maybe. yeah i don't know but they just keep bringing back the old like x-men people and i don't want that nobody wants that i'm good but like are we supposed to care about mutants because Kamala is one now? She's been in two things. Well, and she got her in the show. She got her powers from her bangle. Yeah, that no, was passed don't get, on. Don't get me started on that. I'm gonna sound like someone who can't like who can't just chill. <laughs> <laughs> like the thing is, is I understand that things have to be adapted in different ways mm -hmm. um, to make them work. Dropping the inhuman angle was a good idea for the yes, adaptation. Yes, that's if fine. We're talking, if we're on this digression, I it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the MCU. It doesn't need to exist. It's fine. Honestly, the only inhuman anyone cares about is Kamala, and you can just get rid of that. It's fine. She can be a mutant, and but she should just be a mutant. Yeah, like they should have just let her do those weird stretchy powers. Sorry, like yeah, I would have looked goofy probably. They did She Hulk. She Hulk looks goofy as hell. Yeah, that looked fake as shit. And people were like, that's fine. It was still a good show. Yeah. I still enjoyed it. Zeb Wells wrote for that show. Writer of this comic, Zeb Wells. She-Hulk is relevant, because um, that's something He's written good comics. I, I remain flabbergasted that even with a rush, even with like a plot line overall that I don't think works, and even with Spider-Man editorial hanging around, this still, I'm just like, I'm shocked that Zeb Wells wrote something this bad. Yeah. Well, I'm saying it's relevant because obviously this was like literally not something that was planned or well thought out in any way and was more just dictated to them from someone else higher up. It's weird to me that they felt the need to kill Kamala to make her a mutant. Yeah. Well, no, my problem is, is they killed Kamala... In a Spider-Man issue, randomly, it's like she's dying off screen for anyone who doesn't, <laughs> like, who isn't in, like, mainstream comics, but, like, you've read Kamala's series or you've read a lot of, like, the teen Marvel stuff. Yeah, because you're a Young Avengers fan, you're a Kamala fan. Yeah. Um, If, uh, if we had any, well, like, you'll read Champions at some point because it's got Kamala and Miles. Mm-hmm characters you care about who are all getting done dirty basically right now miles yeah. has managed to keep his own series but i think that's a bloody miracle they just they throw her in this book with this raggedy ass old man that we all know and love like it he just 28 this raggedy ass old man that we all know and love um it's been 50 years right since the gwen stacy thing yeah and now we're doing it again we're repeating the same thing because People love that. We all love when you do the same thing over and over again. We have to celebrate the fridging. 
Right. Yeah, but this time it's better because we're bridging a brown woman who had maybe five speaking lines in this entire book. There are entire panels where she says nothing. So you can't even argue with me on that. (laughs) She is barely in this comic. I I would say before this, maybe 10 lines. Yeah. In all 26 issues, 25 issues of this comic before now. Well, okay. Um, I can't go through this comic page by page. I love you, but I can't. We just got to get to the meat of it. Okay. Well, we're at the meat of it. We're at the meat of it. So um, basically Kamala has her and Mary Jane split up and off panel shape shifts to look like mary jane holy shit i can't believe they did this mm-hmm. uh this is not a thing that kamala has done since um her i want to say third issue of her solo series and that's because her powers do let her shape shift but she doesn't like doing it because she likes to present honestly as herself like she'll wear a mask so no one knows that she's kamala khan teenager but, like, she still wants to be visibly a Pakistani woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who wrote, who wrote the first, was it G. Willow Wilson? G. Willow Wilson. Who wrote that first one? Yes. Okay. Um. So, here's my thing. Uh, the whole, when she first got her powers, she shape-shifted to essentially look like you know, Captain Marvel, like the original Ms. Marvel, like she was blonde, she was white and it was creepy and weird. And she knows it is like, it's this whole emotional journey of that very first issue of her accepting herself and realizing that just because, you know, the superheroes she worships don't look like her doesn't mean she has to be different, you know? And like her costume in and of itself is like, it's reminiscent of like Pakistani dress. Like Well, she's wearing a bikini. Yeah. The the costume in comic is made out of a bikini. Yeah. Which she alters. It's just it's kind of like the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like it's like you this is the first time that they, he's met Kamal. And he's just like, oh, she's got like powers where she can stretch and stuff. Well, you know what? I can solve this issue by having her turn into Mary Jane and get murdered. Yeah. There we go. She gets stabbed in Mary Jane's place by uh, this guy because he's apparently not tracking Mary Jane by, like, his sigil that she's emblazoned, he's emblazoned her with. But instead, I guess, by the fact that she must be, like, the only nearby redhead. <laughs> Again, like, because he's teleporting, right? So he can't see them before he teleports. So it is pure dumb fucking luck that he teleported in front of the wrong Mary Jane. Yeah. And then, you know, stabs Kamala and Kamala dies. You know, like, okay, she doesn't actually die looking like a white woman, but she looks like a white woman and gets stabbed and is turning back from looking like a white woman as she dies. It's such a weird thing to do. I hate it. Um, oh, it, it, this defeats... Um, this this defeats Rabin because for some reason Wayup cares more about him fucking up and stabbing the wrong redhead 
than about like manifesting in the physical realm and getting to kill everyone, which I think is what Wayup wants to do. Like, I don't think this is a thing that Rabin wants to do that he's making Wayup do. So far as I can tell, Wayup and Rabin are on the same page about killing everyone on the planet. So it is kind of like, I mean, he can just stab Mary Jane's probably just right over there. And now there aren't any shapeshifters. Yeah. I don't know. But way up the like, motivations are unclear. Uh, what Rabin and Wayup go away again in a puff of confusion. Mm-hmm. And so Kamala dies in Peter's arms. Quoting her book slash TV show. Yeah. <laughs> the Fantastic Four, who I don't think she's ever met, are, crying. Are, are here. Norman Osborn is fucking here. And he's having his own internal crisis because he's realized that Kamala was only around because she was like, she started interning at his company to like keep an eye on him because he is a former supervillain. Um, which, by the way, Kamala's parents would never let her intern for a known and convicted, like, mass murdering maniac. <laughs> like, no amount of magical shotguns somehow, I guess, being held up in a court of law, uh, question mark. I don't know how Osborne isn't in prison. Are gonna get Kamala's strict-ass parents to, like, let her internship and hang out with this guy every day? Uh, Paul shows up and, and confirms to Mary Jane that the uh, their, their two kids have magically disappeared. So, um... Mary Jane's crying about the kids, not Kamala. Yeah, we end the issue with Mary Jane and Paul crying about their kids, not Kamala. While Peter is sad about Kamala, which, like, Peter's sad, like... Okay, this would fuck with Peter. Right? If another superhero died because they got involved in his shit. So I kind of get this on the level of, like, for Peter. Obviously, this doesn't work for Kamala at all. This story has nothing to do with her. It's not about her. None of her supporting cast are here. Um, they did follow this up with an issue that's much better than this. Uh, Ms. Marvel, uh, sorry, Fallen Friend, The Death of Ms. Marvel, which was just three stories by people who had already written for Kamala's stuff. So, like, G. Willow Wilson, who wrote the first series, Saladin Ahmed, who wrote her second series, and Mark Wade, who wrote for her in Champions, as, like, essentially the main character of that book as well, um, writing, like, people reacting to her death. That issue's better than this, um, because it's actually about stuff related to Ms. Marvel. It's the only part of this whole little saga that feels like it's about Kamala at all. <sighs> Sorry, uh, if you can't tell, this comic just really pisses me off. Uh, okay. I... Oh, right. I was complaining about how this has nothing to do with Kamala. Which it does. It's so... You know, when you think about death of stories in comics, it is kind of a genre unto itself. Um, like, obviously there's like death of Superman. A story about Superman. He's actually the main character of it. His supporting cast are in it. It's about his determination and like how he will stand up against any sort of odds to protect the people of Metropolis and the people in his life. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number 700, which was a death of Spider-Man issue. Peter Parker dies teaching someone else the lesson of power and responsibility. 
Hell, death of Spider-Man in the Ultimate Universe, Peter Parker dies protecting his family and saving his aunt when he couldn't save his uncle. Uh, like, Batman dying in Final Crisis, which we've talked about on this podcast, that isn't a story about Batman, but Batman gets a big moment in that story that is, like, actually lands and is cool and is related to the character and his development. And, and, and this is just... This isn't, in fact, it, the ways in which it ties back to previous Ms. Marvel stories are weird. And, like, weird in a... You didn't understand the comic when you read it, did you, sense? And it's just so deeply off-putting to me that this is what we have you know, and like if they ever decide to do that sort of death of, because I don't think the problem is killing Kamala. I don't have a problem with killing superheroes. I think I just named a bunch of examples where I think they've done good stories out of killing a superhero. They're going to come back. I wasn't worried when they were killing Kamala because I'm like, she's currently a big thing in the MCU. She'll be back pretty quickly. She came back a lot quicker than I thought she would when they announced this. It was a quick turnaround. And it's just like, you you could have done a good story and you could have done a story about her and you didn't. And you shoved it into this bad Spider-Man plot that just exists to reset Spider-Man back to his status quo and like the status quo that no one wants him to have, which is the one where he's not dating Mary Jane and he's just like constantly getting regressed as a character. And for some reason, superhero Norman Osborn is here. Um, as for the teased, this is going to rival the death of Gwen Stacy. Um, Peter finds out at the end of the next arc that Kamala was a mutant and has been resurrected. And so everything's fine. So the only real reverberation of this is at the start of the next arc, he has taken her mask that she took off as she was dying home with him and sleeps with it on the pillow next to him. Oh, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's weird. It vibes weirdly. Uh-huh. I don't like it. It's a weird choice. All of this is a weird choice. Um, yeah, but, like, if a random person came into his bedroom and just saw, like, a kinky little mask on his bed, like, they, you know? It's just like a navy blue domino mask just sitting yeah. on his pillow. Yeah. For the next person who comes to visit. You know, and then the other pillow's just covered in tear stains because he's falling asleep crying again. That's how he prefers his humiliation. Yeah, I... <sighs> Spider-Man comics these days, everyone. I've been reading the stuff since this, and it it the book is currently just about like Norman Osborn not wanting to be evil again. I did mention that Norman Osborn is the guy like I I, I mean caused Mary Jane to have a stillbirth of Peter's child, and he is working with this man. Like, I don't give two shits about the, like, this is a chance to stop him from becoming the Green Goblin again. There's stuff later on where he's, like, 
talking about Norman, like the Norman he knew before he turned evil. And I'm like, when you met Norman Osborn, it, he was pulling a green goblin mask off, sweating profusely and screaming about how he wanted you to see his true face before he killed you. <laughs> you never knew a good Norman. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, happy Spectacular Spider-Man for everyone. We covered good stories other than this. There are good Spider-Man comics, I promise you. I'm glad you guys could end the month without a fart. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is since past two Electric Boogaloo. It's it's the same shit. We're not respecting our female characters. You know, we're piling unnecessary traumas onto them for no real reason. It's not good, and anyone who writes this, story, this character in the future is best off just pretending it kind of didn't happen. And just ignoring it because there's nothing you can do with it. This doesn't contribute to anything in any positive way, and it doesn't work on its own as a story. Yeah, it is sort of the ultimate testament to how much Marvel is interested in elevating and promoting the character that she gets to have her own horribly written, horribly conceived, horribly marketed death story that is a complete and utter flop from promotion to execution. The fact that she is important enough to get this steaming piece of shit shows that they care, except they don't, artistically. She just gets to be stuck in miniseries hell. She just gets four issue miniseries now. It's it's almost like an ongoing. Except you um, you know, you can't have any ongoing plot lines because every four issues it's a new number one, and you have to just sort of assume people are going to start reading it here. With talking about the plot, we haven't talked a whole lot about the art. Well, we've done some throughout. Like we mentioned, it's J.R.J.R., which I love John Romita Jr. I think the book could look worse because just liking Romita's style, I think that hyper-rust Romita is better than some of her stuff, but it's still hyper-rushed. It's like there are frequently places where the colorists are trying to like do the work of adding in like definition to characters' faces via the coloring that just is not present in the pencils. Like on the first page with Kamala, it's like they're trying to give her cheekbones in the coloration because Ramita was too rushed to really give people facial structures. And we also have, like, the two-page flashback sequence with Peter, like, yelling at Paul. And it does the sort of comic and especially manga convention of, like, shifting color palette during a flashback. But instead of doing the usual sort of darker palette, it's this really weird, like, muted tan Sort of look. Yeah. Yeah, like sepia tone that doesn't work for me. Paul has some especially 
horrid rushed faces here uh we already talked about just like the weird visual execution of reactions to the kids dying it's like there's also just like a lot of repetition in page layouts it's almost entirely the same sort of rectangular structures all over for page compositions like it feels like Ramita did not have time to think very much about just like how to best visually convey the information of what's happening you know like it feels very I am cranking this out and I don't have time to experiment or to do a second pass at anything I think the coloration's decent like solid in spots but again rushed on the final page with Peter holding Kamala's dead body, it's just this awkward shot of everyone. For some reason, I'm fixating in on something about the invisible woman's leg just looks off. Like her body just looks really off. Because again, this looks very rushed. And she just looks like she's standing on these really malnourished legs as part of the dramatic final shot. Yeah. I, the thing about John Romita Jr., and I really respect this about him usually, he will meet his deadline. He's talked about this when he's given a deadline for a book, he will meet it. And in the same way, I deeply respect an actor who's like, oh, well, they paid me a lot to do this, so I'm doing it. I deeply respect that attitude from an artist. But, like, just because he will Marvel doesn't mean that like, he's getting older. You should give him more time to do these things. He can still do great art. There are some issues of this Spider-Man run that he's done, but I thought looked quite great. Like, I'm just like, it's not quite the same as the ones I read when I was a kid, but also he's 20 years older. His style's a little different. It still looks good. Like, when he drew, drew Digger again back in the first arc of this, I was like, this is wonderful. And... They just don't rush the man. And don't ask him to draw teenagers. I'm sorry. Don't ask or him to draw children. teenagers or children. He's not the worst artist at it, but it isn't a strong suit of his. I really like that uh, MJ's daughter just kind of looks like her, but like in a teeny tiny body with like a weird bobblehead. She actually kind of looks like Pebbles from the point <laughs> stuff. actually... Go, go make a look. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying there. <laughs> I guess maybe the kid looking exactly like MJ is meant to be a hint that the kid is a fake kid. I mean, uh, I was just saying it kind of felt like he was unsure how to draw the child. So he was like, I'll just make them look like smaller versions of other people. <laughs> Which, you know, that's what kids are. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Kamala doesn't Kamala does not read Teenager. Um, you see her and Peter side by side, and you're like, those are two 28-year-olds. Yeah. Sorry, that's 28 in air quotes, by the way. In the opening page, she's like 35. Right? She's like... at her first job interview. <laughs> yeah, she's at the interview, and she's like, <sighs> part of it's the blazer, but it just doesn't well, it doesn't make sense for her to 
I don't know. I feel like if anyone's gonna, like, apply, like, if we're trying to, like, actually bring these casts of characters together, to me, it would make more sense for, like, Kamala's, like, guy in the chair to be the one, like, interning at Oscorp. Bruno. Yeah. I said, I know his name is Bruno, but I said guy yeah. in the chair because he's like the, the side, like he's, he's well, yeah, the guy. He did that internship at Wakanda. <laughs> yeah. If if anyone should be there, to me, that would make more sense. But well, no, maybe she's, I'm crazy. She's at Oscorp because she's decided to make Norman Osborn her problem. Oh, okay. I'm just saying it doesn't. No, I I agree. And he in the first in the he's like, well, you don't have any engineering experience, but come on board. Yeah, you do computer science stuff, which like yeah, but, you know, you got that spicy kind of spunky brown girl attitude. Come on, on. <laughs> he even said spunk. I'm sorry, he did. He did. Yes, he did. I was like, oh my god, is it 1995? Are we talking about MJ? Yeah, um, this book just makes me feel bad. <laughs> I I just personally can't believe that when the decision to, like, we're going to do this sort of big, like, at least it's going to look like a big final breakup for Peter and Mary Jane and they'll never get back together again plot, and we're going to have a villain be responsible. It's like, let's pick that Mayan fiend guy from <laughs> two issues, uh, like nearly uh god like 350 issues ago <laughs> like what this whole concept is so strange to me and then just yeah the execution is also just dire yeah um i guess do we have anything we haven't hit on yet or have we basically touched all the various ways that it's bad that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we're all good. I think that was, that was amazing. Spider-Man number 26. Yeah. It's bad. Um, It's bad, but I guess that'll do us for this week. And Shannon, thank you for subjecting yourself to that. I suppose. I imagine you probably regret doing so. <laughs> oh god. A good comic next time, sweetheart, I promise. Okay, sure. I've made you I've oh I only hand you good comics, except for this one exception. Yeah. And it hurt. I know. Why don't you just file for divorce? Well, before my marriage dissolves, <laughs> we need to stop talking about this comic. Do you know what we're doing next week, or are we recording this in too bizarre an order for you to know what we're doing next week? I'm not even going to bother thinking about it with how out <laughs> of order everything is. Yeah. Okay. Something not Spider-Man next week for when people are listening to this, yeah. Next week we're free. Niccolo will have no hold over us anymore. Yeah, but... In the meantime, thank you all for listening, and bye. Bye.
excellent to each other.